0: Hello, hello, how are things? You're very welcome back to the first bonus episode of the Sam I Am podcast with me, Sam White. That's right. Yeah, I'm trying something a bit different this week, seeing if I can do more than one episode a week, but there's also reasoning behind it as well. I have Joe Gorman back joining me to talk about the Oros, a no better man. As he's actually been there and done it as a fan. I'm recording this on the, the night the Euros kicked off. Um, but I didn't actually get to watch the first match. Because I was too engrossed in an incredible day of tennis. Between Zverev and Tsitsipas. And then the Djokovic-Nadal match. Particularly the latter. Just unbelievable couldn't take your eyes off it it's been a good day i've got my second vaccine i'm fully vaccinated so spirits are high things are looking up so that tees us up very nicely for another chat with joe gorman enjoy but joe you're very welcome back to the sandman podcast i decided that i i needed to get you on again uh and uh, let's call this a bonus episode. I think I'm going to call it this time Fantastic,
1: right. bonus content, <laughs> director's cut.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, lots happened since we last spoke. Um, not just uh, in a sporting sense, but uh, you're coming to you're coming to us today from a different country. Last time you were in lovely Randsborough, it's near Strandhill, and now you're you're across you're across the water. Let's say.
1: Exactly. I'm uh, directly across the water in Boston. Actually, you know, I could kind of nearly, nearly see the house if I if I peered out the window long enough. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh it's been a big change, Sam. Um, you know, you, you know yourself, kind of the effort of, of moving a country, mm. uh, or, or moving countries, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, it was fun. Um, it was interesting being back in an airport again. It was bizarre being back on a plane. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to open packets of food and stuff like in a in a tight space and a. Boeing seven three seven, it was just a rush. Um so yeah, it's really good fun. sun is splitting the stones here in Boston. It's a beautiful day, and I can't wait to uh to chat a bit of football because I'm now in the wrong time zone to watch it.
0: Yeah, God, that's gonna be that's gonna be a nightmare. Um potentially, but uh I'm sure you'll you'll do your best. Um but uh it's been uh, well as I said, there's a lot's happened since we last spoke. Uh we've had we had the European finals, both which were very entertaining in their own way. Uh in terms of the penalty shootout in the Europa League final, which I thought was amazing. Um it it saved was. the game. It saved the game. The game itself wasn't <laughs> wasn't it wasn't a classic, but to see a team like Villarreal beat Man United was just fantastic um for but, football.
1: My favorite thing about that match, the penalty shootout was spectacular. Um mm. like easily the best I've ever seen. Oh. But uh I I I ha- well, you know, apart from say personal affairs. Yeah, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, you know, no, I agree. No. Uh, I, I, and uh, from a purely technical standpoint, superb. But the the best part of the Europa League final was the way that the Villarreal players treated the trophy afterwards. I don't know yeah. if you watched the award ceremony, but they it was like um a group of soldiers returning from a deployment and like seeing their loved ones like literally they were you know stroking the trophy caressing mm. it like mm. uh, they all kissed it like it was an amazingly uh, romantic um display with the trophy and the players but i guess for a lot of them it's it's their first time playing in a final first time winning something like they hit a an amazing hodgepodge of players from uh you know back in the day with Kapo yeah. kapoo and Cochin and stuff, but yeah, it was just amazing to see them win.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you were saying they did really care so much about it. I saw a clip of their pre match uh, speech. I think I don't know if it was Emery that gave it or one of the players, but they were well up for it. So they, mm-hmm. it, was, it was every meant everything to them. And yeah, Ollie, yeah, Ollie had a bit of a mare. Um, so and then and then we had an, a brilliant game of football all. Like, it was only 1-0, but the Champions League final certainly delivered as a spectacle. And especially having so many fans back in, in the stadium, beautiful stadium in Porto, looked looked like an amazing place to go to see a football match. Um, yeah. So that was just really nice to see um, on all counts. Yeah, just a very normal looking football match. It was in the beautiful uh, uh, Drago Stadium in Porto. Porto looks class looks like a brilliant city. Yeah,
1: it looks like a great country. Um, mm. you know, like geez, it looks like you like very kind of like a sunnier, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, more interesting Ireland with the coastline. Um, yeah. you know, like it, it, uh, they have that beautiful kind of rocky coastline up, you know, from uh the Galician coast down to down to Portugal's west coast. You know, I think
0: mm. is
1: it is is it Finisterre that's um, it's just above Portugal, but that kind of, you know, granite coastline is where Platt wrote the poem about it. And yeah.
0: um,
1: it, it's it's really kind of, you know, they have their own kind of wild Atlantic Way thing going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I don't know if you've seen some of the stadiums there, apart from like the the big, I guess the big two um, mm. or the big three in Portugal. And um, there's some really spectacular uh, smaller club stadiums there as well. Like Take a look at the Braga Stadium, Sam.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the yeah, cliff that's, that steep stands. Um, mm.
1: Yeah, it's really. I don't know. It's it's a as a footballing country, it's always been something of a conundrum to me. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think in in recent years the amount yes. of talent they have produced has got a bit of like bad press, or not bad press, but I don't know. It, it has a bit of a question mark over it because of all the players that have had really high fees and. Mm. Um, you know, um, Jorge Mendes is a great guy for you know attracting foreign direct investment into the into the coffers of uh you know Benfica, Sporting Lisbon, and Porto uh, over mm. the past few years. So, but like you look at them now, and um, you know, when we're looking towards the Euros, they've got to be really in the mix. I think sort yep. of top top three, four teams for sure,
0: yep, for sure. Um, but certainly, just to finish on the cities like porto they certainly do they are certainly a very good host city for these european finals um but uh and we yeah we spoke at length about what we've how we thought the match would turn out and i, I said on a previous episode that uh that I, I i we obviously didn't get the our score predictions weren't correct but we made some good points about certain players that can make an impact on the game and like i think you talked about havertz I would have mentioned Kante and that that's a given, like you expect someone like Kante to deliver, but the way the level that he delivered on, even now thinking about it now, two a couple of weeks on is just unbelievable what he did.
1: Yeah, he was it was really the art of suppression that game, you know, Mm. like just how they throttled City was Yeah. Was amazing. It was amazing, and mm. you know, obviously Pep had a nightmare <laughs> not starting either of either. I don't know how you don't start, um, yeah. you know, Fernandinho, whatever about Rodri, like, um, strange call. But
0: Rovers are top of the league, and I think this will go out just before the the game start again. Um, Fantastic. Long made edit. continue. Yeah, no, it's it's been amazing um to see, and hopefully when I get home, hopefully I might get into into the showgrounds at some point. Yeah, um, that'd be
1: great. I see a hundred hundred fans are in there by lottery. Yeah. Um well yeah. I I mean yeah thing with rovers like <laughs> you want to be cautiously optimistic mm. with mm. everything all the time because you know that like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. But like yeah. it's amazing how even if there was like a even going to Tala before uh, Rovers played champs, like people had started to believe mm. <laughs> like uh the the belief creeps in like so quickly and then like every everyone is just talking about it uh in town but like yeah i mean a great one to have a sustained period at the top like going into the break you know
0: yeah absolutely and uh i think yeah i think the team just deserved to have that appreciation from the fans just the way they've played and i don't know if you saw when they played finn harps the other week a few fans were watching from the the fences of uh finn park it's really funny uh i know a couple of people yeah they just have these fences (laughs) behind one of the stands and uh, some of the rovers fans traveled up uh they obviously knew the ground and that they could maybe see in and uh which is very funny so they had that bit of interaction that day um but uh yeah long we'll see how to get we'll see how how long this goes on for but uh no i've i've been this excited about slug rovers uh for about six years, I'd say, um, just the team we have and the squad and the manager, it's just it's been really good to watch. Great yeah, football been, as well.
1: They're building something, you know. Yeah, it's like they're 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 more than just a good team that are clicking. It feels like there's a project, and when you kind of get that sense from a club, it's always so exciting, mm-hmm. you know. You, you talked about Leicester in the last one, and and I, I think that they're, you, you know, you mentioned them as kind of a similar like a project club, or you know okay, it's 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 on a bigger scale, but uh, yeah. them and, and City, you know, City, like, investing so much into the ground and the areas around, you know, like, the plans coming out with Rovers and the stadium, mm. like, all yeah. the players seem very bought in. They have a lot of young guys, a lot of really, really hungry guys. Like, the, the mix of, of like, experience and youth is just, mm. it's really good. Like, it feels kind of special. I don't know what yeah. it is, but let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Let's not get ahead of ourselves.
0: Yeah, just, I, I would worry about a major injury to someone they need to maybe buy a few more players just to toughen up that squad because I don't feel like we have enough depth. That's the only thing, and we've been very lucky. We've had a couple of red cards, obviously, but no major injuries yet. Um, so that's that's true to be cautious um,
1: of, yeah. The, and the, yeah, the squad is is it's lean, so mm. um,
0: that's the League of Ireland, oh, I suppose. Hopefully,
1: yeah. But I mean, we've been we've been riding our luck a fair bit this season, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look back at the games, like uh um, you McGinty, know walter's McGinty. goal against, yeah yeah mcginty saved like has saved at least sort of six points i'd say mm. um you know the Manus gave this very soft goal against shams in the Jesus, home fixture you know. um johnny kenny's one against was it was it Finn harps yeah that was a lucky a fort- goal
0: yeah he had a fortunate one against strawhood as well but He's been brilliant just I mean, that sort of thing you want to see from his yeah yeah he has to that's his job he has to close down goalkeepers and oh true make make the money easy um I say, and, and he's uh, got he's gotten a call up to the Ireland under 19s this week which is good to see uh, um, well
1: deserved he, he's he's I think he was nominated for um like player of the month in the league as well uh, mm. the month before last yeah um but and you know like it's it's amazing that he's, he's scoring goals is he, mm. like you know at his age um, like even getting them in the League of Ireland, getting out of the games alive at that age, the League of Ireland is a great achievement. But I don't know it—it it, it does feel like I was, you know, I say like we were—we've been riding our luck. But I mean, you look at Liverpool when they won the league, or uh, you know, United so many times. Like you'd think, oh my god, they're actually so lucky. But like mm. they keep getting lucky. So I mean, yeah. there's it's all about there's an, a strange correlation between luck and winning.
0: Yeah, it is a funny thing. Um. But last thing I'd say about Rovers is I don't know how Ed McGuinty's not been called up to at least the under twenty one Ireland squad. Um Yeah. I just think he's the best keeper in the league and he got he got a call up last year, I remember at one point. Um He but, was in the squad, uh, wasn't he? He was in the squad at one point last year, but uh I was surprised not to see him in in uh the team that they beat Australia. They lost last night to Denmark, but uh um mm-hmm. We'll get onto we'll we'll touch a bit on Ireland. Uh but uh I'd
1: agree though. I think he's he, he's amazing. He was always a great shot stopper, but this year he's a lot more commanding like on crosses yeah. and corners. Like he, he he looks you know, he looks like he's he's um, you know, bulked up a bit and like he, he mm. definitely looks more commanding.
0: Yeah. And he seems happy as well. I don't think he would need to go to Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk. I think he'd be more than happy to stay. He's with stay. the league leaders. With yeah, the league leaders, staying. Sam. Exactly. Don't please don't leave <laughs> um but uh but yeah this week I was it's been weird this week it's i feel it's been like a break you know in a lot of ways from it hasn't been much sport on because after like such a hectic year i suppose and especially the last few weeks of uh as the things we've talked about and uh and the aftermath of all that a lot of managerial departures which is probably been the most interesting thing the last couple of weeks um, yeah but uh yeah, I've I've not had much haven't had much to watch uh this week. Uh usually um I've no shortage of things to watch. French Open's on, but I actually haven't watched much of it cuz it's not really on TV here, which is disappointing. Um That's bizarre. Poor Federer, Poor Fedor is just withdrawn, which is sad, but he played last night and he I think he's he's getting old. He's I think he's saving himself for one more go at Wimbledon. Um I mean, he, he is old. He's been he is, old 39.
1: for, a, 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 for a, a like, I think you could conceivably say, like, geez, Federer's getting old in, like, you know, 2012. I just don't understand his longevity, you know, and lack of injuries, really, like, to yeah. this point, you know. Yeah. Um, that's He's just, he, he's Superman. He's a god. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he has, like, obviously, he's not exactly playing every, you know, ATP 500 that he, and that, process his path but uh, hmm. I don't know you can't really imagine the sport without him at this stage.
0: Yeah, Andy Murray put up a tweet last night just saying I don't care how this match finishes just such as you said yeah it's just amazing to see him still performing at such a high level at the age of 39. Tennis is a really exhausting sport.
1: And so hard on all of your <laughs> like pretty much everything that like yeah. you know gets worse when you get older.
0: Yeah, especially when you play have to play a five setter. They've changed the rules now, actually, where in the fifth set, uh there is a tie-break if it goes to 10-all, where before yeah. you had that match between Mahu and John Isner, which went on for like about three days at Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. That was,
1: <laughs> that was brilliant. That was so much fun.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> the more tired they got, the better it was, because they were just like... How many... Didn't... Um, isner broke the record for like the most aces of all time yeah. in a game and manu yeah. had the second most after that game like <laughs> they both had like the top two spots after because they had like a hundred plus each
0: yeah there weren't many rallies in that game there's a lot of aces. no they were just
1: like hammering it but it was it was great fun like i mean and you know one thing wait you know, when we talk about sort of uh Federer and like longevity and stuff like that i think um uh my mum and my sister are huge tennis fans and tell me one day that you know if it hadn't been for Nadal he probably would have won you know four or five French opens as well. Mm-hmm. Um like he's lost several finals, I think possibly all to Nadal. He's and he's he's been in either the final or the semi like, you know, probably ten times. Um and Lost to Nadal, like I think Nadal has lost twice or something ever, uh, in France. And they just, you know, unfortunately, his prime years happen to have to overlap, uh, with him. But I mean, that's that's kind of the story of everyone in sport. And like, I suppose the thing with Federer is that he was that guy for everyone else,
0: yeah. But we're very lucky to still see them, the two of them, and I guess Djokovic as well. Just it's a bit like a Messi Ronaldo situation. But there's three yeah. of them. There's three of them in the case of tennis. Just they're they're really close in terms of grand slams. I'd say Federer will get overtaken by, maybe get overtaken by Djokovic if not Nadal, probably. Um, probably. But uh, speaking of things happening in Paris uh, last night, as I said, because I didn't have much to watch, uh, I I in I watched a lot of YouTube, and if I have find a video and I don't have time to watch it, at the time of finding it or coming across it, I add it to my watch later. So I went into my watch later last night and I put on uh, a clip from Jay-Z and Kanye West performing in Paris on the Watch the Throne tour, which Mm -hmm. I spoke about about with a friend that I didn't get to see them in Dublin and it was a big regret of mine. Um, And uh, it's a 40 minute video of the two of them performing Paris in Paris 11 times on the like, oh nonstop,
1: <laughs> I heard about that.
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable. The video I watched really? it's forty minutes long. Shit, you not know and I thought it was going to be maybe I watched the whole thing just in case someone might have cleverly edited it. So oh. maybe a couple of uh, instances of the song just repeated in the video, but it was yeah, it was literally forty minutes of just Paris and man jay-z's so funny he's just like again and then they just they just, <laughs> just go again and they try and mix it up every time by but load, making loads of circles loads of mosh bits and stuff and really and Kanye is just trying to uh at the beginning uh he's just saying "ha, ha. like <laughs> 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 that in exa- itself is exhausting especially that's that such song. a
1: wonderful level of fame like yeah. you, you can just Fully take the best, like, at, mm. and and people will like forever remember it as like you know, a uh, oh. once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> but you just were like massively unprofessional, yeah. Playing the same song eleven times,
0: and the crowd had no crowd had no complaints over it. They were the guy who was filming it was I think he was he was American. He wasn't French, but he was like just again. We want we want it again. You want more? That's like, uh, there, there's such
1: a funny video of Kanye playing. um runaway on tour i think it's in melbourne it's either in melbourne oh, or sydney yeah. and uh, he, he had the uh the mask on this like cloth mask yeah and uh like it looks like he can't see or anything but he, he hmm. starts playing runaway gets like two and a half minutes into it and then he like pauses it he's like wait a minute he's like is it anyone anyone in here is it your first time hearing this live and like a lot of people were like yeah and he's like oh we're going back to the start and he just like completely Uh, Just started messing around with the NPC again and like doing this really big long intro, but like he just basically gave everyone the intro twice, which was so great. Um,
0: Yeah, he's so random and off the cuff at times, but uh, yeah, that was it. Was really amazing to watch that. It was very funny. I was, I was, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And the crowd, after about the eighth time they performed it, were just like, "That shit great! That shit great! That shit (laughs) great!" But, um, speaking of you yeah you're obviously you're back in boston um and uh I was thinking about when I was in Boston when you were there, and uh, I had a lovely afternoon e- evening with you that's like three years ago now
1: yeah it was it 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 was great to have you in town it was it was bizarre because you kind of set it a day or two before you arrived, and then you know just yeah. had. How do you know, the Sligo man over by the seaport, uh, you know, out of nowhere, mm. it was great. But no, isn't it such a, it's such a an Irish city, I guess, in, in the States, like, even when you're here, you don't feel the same sense of displacement that you'd feel if you, you know, if you move mm. to Memphis or something, uh or, yeah. you know, Boise, Idaho, or something like that. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> it, whether it's the pubs or just like knowing that you're not that far away from Ireland and that there are just a ton of Irish people here. It's, you kind of feel like you're exploring somewhere familiar, but with, with new eyes or something, you know?
0: Mm. But even, I think we were only, we, we, we were together for about, we spent about three hours together, but in those three hours, you were an absolute gentleman. I remember you very, very, very generous. I don't think I spent a penny when I was in your company, which is outrageous. Um, and well the, we, were, we were just in one location i think
1: we went to uh, a pub like up, up the road from here uh downtown so yeah i had to I had to show yeah. you the i had to show you the streets like
0: no gentlemen um but that, that was actually a really that was a long day i remember after i left you i remember you booked me an uber to go to that it's like an outdoor cinema place i can't remember what it's called it was like something green. There was like a was like a bar and then there's all these hammocks and then Oh, oh yeah. Lawn on D. <laughs> um, What's it called? Lawn on D, I think. Lawn on D, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I yeah, went after that's... I left you. Um that was like our only night out, I guess. We didn't go clubbing or anything, but we were out really late. We were there and then we were just walking around the city and ended up in an Irish pub a few of us. Um very late, as I said, um, but uh, it, was, it was that was a good day. Um, but uh, yeah, and I remember when we were we were in Boston. It was during the playoffs, actually. And Celtics were playing mm-hmm. the Cavs, and I remember you telling me that God, if the Celtics get to the playoff finals, Boston's gonna be fucking mental. But
1: uh, it, it it goes crazy for for sporting yeah. to, for sports of all kinds. I have to say, like I mean, you know, you could be in. Um, Brooklyn when the Nets are playing and like it's not that big, you know it'll be on in the bars and everything, but it won't be. Mm. You won't feel the energy and stuff like that. But like when
0: maybe this year, maybe this year.
1: Yeah, like well, potentially. Um, but I mean, Mm. like the the Pats and stuff. Like I remember we were in Boston when the Pats won the Super Bowl and when the Sox won the World Series, and it was Uh, um, it was like uh you know mayo winning the all-ireland or something like that like Mm. everything stopped for you know for that whereas like i've known people who lived in um san francisco when golden state won the you know a couple of championships and it was Mm. nice like they had a parade and everything but it wasn't as like it's not it doesn't define the the sort of character of the city in the same way the Boston sports do you know
0: yeah or raptors when they won it that was pretty epic um, yeah i'd say there wasn't
1: a, a cow milked in toronto for for a week
0: <laughs> but uh no i i think i remember the Cavs. i think Le- lebron was still playing for the Cavs, and they they didn't win the they didn't win the finals i think golden state won it yeah i remember you saying that as well that you thought it was just fascinating that in american sports people just don't have one team they might have four teams across the four franchise sports um and I get well and then I was thinking about this recently i i we kinda have that as well in in Europe, certainly in Ireland, I have Newcastle Sliger Rovers, I would follow Ireland in the rugby, and then also mm-hmm. the g a a is thrown in there as well, so it's kind of similar in a way, but I think it is quite unique in a in the states where in Boston I suppose you have all your you have maybe three or four teams in Boston that you support
1: well. It's interesting because they don't have derbies at all um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I Bitter
0: find rival, like, rivalries
1: like you think of that with cities and like that's such a big thing in mm. in in soccer like you know like you know the the Manchester Derby the Merseyside Derby you know the several yeah. London ones uh, or like you know shams and bows in Dublin stuff like that whereas here mm. it's like oh you know uh, the Packers hate uh the Bears, but you know, like from Green Bay to Chicago is like, you know, half a day's yeah. <laughs> half a day's annual leave to travel, you know. Um, mm. so it's it doesn't really feel, but and you know, in that as well, you you talk about people having different teams across different franchises. They kind of support them for different reasons, in the same way that we would, you know, like yeah. Um, I'm from Sligo, but like you know, I like Monster because my mum is from Cork and sure. you know supports Monster and like. Uh, you know, people are the same with GAA, where they might be, you know, from Mead, but if their mm. dad is a crazy Mayo fan, they'll probably like, you know, uh, support yeah. Mayo. And the same with soccer. Like, how many people, uh, you, you know, obviously you sort of support your county in Gaelic to an extent, but like rugby might be different, and like, you know, soccer, like anything goes. You know, mm. <laughs> as as mm. you know, you support Newcastle. I'm of kinda of like Spurs villa. Um, um and then I guess we have we have rovers as well to kinda of throw our weight behind. But yeah, yeah, I I guess people come to the teams that they follow
0: for different reasons. Before we talk about the Euros, um it's a funny time for Irish football. Um and like a lot has happened since the last major tournament in Ireland we're in Euro twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. which you were at, we're gonna talk a bit about that. Um and uh, it's it's mad to think that Ireland even nearly got into the World Cup. At one point, they were, after 15 minutes, that second leg, or in the first half against Denmark in that second leg, they were winning 1-0, and they were looking like they were going to get to the World Cup. But uh, it's everything. It's been very difficult since then. Um, but uh, yeah, five years ago was Euro 2016. We have the... We're, the, the Euros this year is a year late. And... Uh, yeah, a bit of reminiscent, Joe. Uh, I came across... Uh, I remember an Instagram you put up before the Euros in 2016. And it was it was like a, a really nice map of France. And uh, you had marked out the whole trip you were about to encounter. Like the different yes, cities indeed. you were going to go to. And you had a, a nice French baguette sandwich and a pint of Stella. it definitely
1: was not Stella it was probably probably a Stella glass but like come on it was probably like a 1664 you know something a bit respectable don't don't hang me out to dry here um but yeah I remember really excitedly planning it out um myself and a few mates kind of had you know a notion of going um like when Ireland were qualifying there was like the vague stirrings of the idea in our head but uh It, you know, it doesn't seem like a uh, reality even when you're booking the flights and, like, I got, you know, all the tickets on, on Via Gogo and, like, you mm. know, sort of StubHub and the equivalents like that and you're not really sure if you're just, like, getting scammed or not and yeah. the moment it felt real was when we went to the first game and, like, got scanned in and, like, we were inside the ground and I was like, oh, so, like, those weren't <laughs> fake QR codes that we were sent, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, like it, it just it was we kinda got swept up in the excitement of planning it and then we we just said we'll book flights for a certain number of days, like however many would work uh for for ourselves, you know, with with uh people getting time off work and stuff like that. And then once we had the flight books, flights booked, we had nothing else planned, um but we knew that we we had to go and then like the the search began, you know. Um and that's kinda how it got started.
0: Yeah. And uh how how long had you planned like were were you like how far are Ireland were you like thinking how far are Ireland going to get how long should we realistically stay for
1: we we just wanted to go mm. <laughs> really yeah. we just wanted to go to the euros mm. and couldn't believe that we were 20 years old and Ireland qualified for a major football tournament and just yeah. were like there was something inside, you know. Even when, like, you know, at that age, like, I, I still don't know anything, but I really didn't know anything about like going abroad or or you know planning a trip or anything at that age. And I mean, like, uh, but we just kind of you could just sense that it had to be done. You know, it was yeah. like, um, sometimes it just something just feels like such a no brainer that you just have to do it, and mm. that's what we did. We just we just booked it and we said, look, we'll go for the group stages, and then like if Ireland get through we'll stay on like we'll just we'll figure it out you know and um we went over for the full like i think two weeks however long from you, you know the the tournament started on like a you know it starts on a thursday or something and then like ireland are yeah. playing on the sunday and we were over for i think the thursday or the friday um in the south of france uh i said in the last to bordeaux and then we got the we got i think the train up to
0: paris. uh up to paris yeah yeah but yeah, it was something about that Euros. I know, like Ireland had been in the Euros in twenty twelve in Poland and Ukraine, but that was a bit of a disaster. But uh, there was just something about that Euros in twenty sixteen that had that. It felt felt a bit like it was our generations nineteen ninety, our generations Italian ninety, or whatever USA ninety four. Um, we had those moments. That people would have had in those Jack Charlton years, um, and like I didn't get to go, which is a big another big regret of mine. I actually remember watching the Sweden game. I was in Hong Kong, um, when the the tournament started. I watched the Sweden game on a hotel computer where we were staying in Kowloon in Hong, just off mainland Hong Kong, and. I was on, uh, it was with a a choir from Trinity and no one else was really interested in it. And so I was watching the game by myself in the hotel. And I remember when Houlihan scored, I went mental and never scared the shit out of everyone else who was sitting not too far away from me. So yeah, you, so you went to, so that's, that was in the Stade de France, so all of you went to, went to that first game. And I just watched a wee clip of it there because I'd forgotten Sweden's goal, Kieran Clark unfortunately scored an own goal which i'd forgotten about Mm -hmm. but uh we won't go into we won't go game by game but that that's like ireland only scored three goals in the whole tournament and that was the first one like what was it like just the buzz of that game
1: it was phenomenal um we'd had a you know we'd been out the night before with all the fans and stuff and like really drinking it in and like the atmosphere of the Swedes was just so great like all the the chanting and like we were singing ABBA with them and everything like it was it was outrageous Uh, like just having a huge street party outside the Moulin Rouge in Clichy and um, (laughs) it was just so much fun like people dancing on top of like you know people like dancing in trees and stuff like that like everyone yeah, yeah. and not a hint of like bad behavior or like people getting yeah. stroppy or anything like that it was all just like totally you know just great great energy um really nice vibe in the place but then we went mm. to the game the next day and we were kind of like with the with the Swedes and the elevators going up and we're like all right you know it was fun last night but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be now yeah, yeah and
0: yeah.
1: uh went into the stadium and they were you know Ibrahimovic was really like in his pomp, like prime, <laughs> prime, like premium Zlatan arrogance uh, at the mm. time uh, coming out and everything like that. And they just looked bigger and, you know, like the Swedes are old stages and stuff like that. But, you know, Ireland were just really hungry and and they kind of fed off the energy of the crowd. They knew how much like we'd missed being in a tournament and feeling like we have a chance in the games. Mm. And I just remember they were really, really hungry for it. And it felt like a goal would come. and. um, I was there with my dad, and I just remember we were delighted to see, you know, Seamus playing, um, being yeah. Rovers fans, and uh, mm. just, you know, flying up and down, like, you know, running rings around uh, the the Swedish left full. Coleman, a chance to cross here. Seamus Coleman still.
0: Coleman, little dink into the middle. Hulahan!
1: Yeah, it was, just, it, it was amazing. The energy was, was phenomenal. When we scored one, we thought we'd score five. Uh, we didn't, but, uh, you know, like, it was it was amazing. And then to even get a point out of that game, I think the general attitude was, like, uh, you know, try and beat the Swedes, mm. um, keep it tight and get a draw against Belgium, and then keep it tight and get a draw against the Italians, or try and yeah. sneak a goal. Um, and that obviously... So it felt, you know, it was... the the mix between, okay, in the last Euros we were at, we got hockeyed in every game, and this one, you know, we scored and we, could, we should have won the game. Um, mm. And, like, it was a good performance and everything, but it was kind of bittersweet because we knew that they were our best chance of getting a win. Like, it was a very yeah. tough group, you know?
0: At the time, yeah. But that's the thing about the Euros. It's different to the World Cup, there's no easy game in the Euros because it's the best it's the best of the best in Europe. That's a tough yeah. group Ireland had. Italy, Belgium, and Sweden. And I mentioned 2012. They had Croatia, Spain, and Italy. Like, yes, Spain and Italy both got to the final. So, um, it's it's really hard, hard tournament to navigate. We'll get into this year's tournament because some mad groups. um, But uh, so uh, you you went to you got to go to all the Ireland games. Is that correct?
1: No, I we (laughs) I didn't. I I went to the the Sweden one, the Belgian one, and the Mm. French game. Okay. Um, and uh, we missed the Italy one where, where, where Brady uh, got the winner, yeah, sh- oh, which was yes. annoying. Um, mm. But the, the Belgium one was was rough. We got hockeyed, I think, yeah. 3-0. Uh, Lukaku did a number on us.
0: Because I lived in Bordeaux a year later. I actually went. One of the nearest places you can swim in Bordeaux is near the stadium. So I actually went and checked out the stadium. It's a cool stadium.
1: You have to get kind of the tram out to it.
0: Yeah. Um, Big and- white stadium with pillars and stuff. and.
1: Exactly, and it, they they kind of built it for that because it wasn't in the the Chavon d'Alma, and uh, which is mm. the old one in the center of the town in, in yeah, Bordeaux, yeah, yeah. obviously, as you know. Um, but it's the same sort of situation in Lyon. I think they built a another a new one for the game out there because we went to a Northern Ireland game in Lyon. Ah, uh,
0: um, yes, so Ukraine. We,
1: yes, yes, uh, which was hilarious. Um, we the way we did it was like yeah, went to the Ireland games um, with. Uh, with my with my dad and then with the lads, um, we went to ones where basically, so as I said, we booked it. We didn't have any plan, and like yeah. Ireland's tickets were, um, gold dust. Well, it was like late by the time that they decided to come on board. Like I knew that I'd, I'd go to a couple mm-hmm. of the of the games with my dad, but um, I wasn't sure what we'd do. But I knew that we wanted to see some. Of it anyways, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so we I booked basically. There were four of us over there, and um. I just booked tickets for the cheapest games that I could find. Um, <laughs> so one of them was uh, Croatia versus the Czech Republic in Saint Etienne. Mm. Uh, one was Ukraine, Northern Ireland, and Lyon, and the other was I think Russia against Slovakia in Lille. Um, okay. So we went to those three games as well. They were mm. they were amazing. Um, mm. The first one we kicked off in in Lille, then went to Lyon, then Saint Etienne, then over to Bordeaux. Um, so. Went to Paris. Went to the Ireland game. Um, we got the, we got the one all with uh, Sweden. Then we got the train. We had a couple of nights there with the Irish fans in in Paris. Then went up to Lille to see the Russia Slovakia game. There was mm. uh, it was interesting um, being at that because I think England played Wales the day before in Lille. Yes, and yeah. uh, England English fans and Russian fans don't gel well at Jesus, all. Yeah. So um, I remember we. It was myself and the three guys. So we had a wholesome evening and like got some of those sort of city bikes. And we were cycling around, you know, Lille, taking in the like a nice French summer evening. Mm. And we cycled through the main square and there was just this heavy fog uh, over the square. And we cycled through and just started coughing and spluttering. And <laughs> basically it was tear gas. And uh, the English and Russian fans had been fighting in the square, had like been rioting. And uh, there were windows smashed in and all the tables and chairs and cafes were like broken and in bits and pieces around the square. And there were French riot police everywhere. And we were just poor lads sort of cycling through in our Ireland (laughs) jerseys, you know, really just just taking in the evening. So it was a tough one for the lungs um but i remember you know that weekend they started closing the off licenses at like 2 p.m and like wow. they, or they 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 wouldn't actually sell drink at all from a lot of the off licenses they you oh, could only get them in pubs where people would guess your people you know could gauge how drunk because they were they were cutting people off because it was mm. really really bad problem with all the fights um yeah. but it was that was an interesting experience going to that game and you know, with all the all the Russian fans, and I remember Marek Hamšík got a stunning goal. I think, I think to win the game two one. Um, so yeah, no, like I mean, saw some really, you know, saw some great players. Um, the, you know, in the Czech Republic, Croatia won, you know, Madric was doing his thing, and hmm. uh, Manzukic and, and, and all that kind of thing. But it, you know, it was, it's an amazing country for a uh, football. You know, you're talking about Portugal earlier as a country for a tournament, like. France is just so perfect.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and um, just you know, they know how to deal with massive volume of of tourists. They know mm-hmm. how to like you know set you up for like a, a great welcome. Like all the cities that we went to were magnificent. Like the fan zones that they had for watching the games, yeah. oh, like they were incredible. It was just it was such a great time. It was one of those summers that you look back on and like you can see why. Christy Moore wrote, Joxer goes to Stuttgart um mm-hmm. you know a- after after being at a tournament like that.
0: Mm. No I'll, I'll be at the next one. Oh, I don't know when, when I don't know when the Republic of Ireland are going to. Might be in 15 years
1: though.
0: Out. It's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I always I I don't know about you but I uh I I would support Northern Ireland as well um and I I I remember that Ukraine game like that you would have gone to and I remember it was pissing rain wasn't it and and Northern was. Ireland won 2 0. I think was it Gareth McCauley where he scored a great header in that game?
1: He did I th- I think they got two headers. I I yeah. can just I can just remember um that this was the tournament of like and this will not seem as big as big of a deal now, but when I say it was a cultural phenomenon, mm. um it was the tournament of Will Griggs on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and uh they I remember they brought Will Grigg on in like the 80th minute, and just the whole—did they? It was worth being there. Yeah, yeah, it was worth being there for when they brought him on. Like people <laughs> went crazy, like they went mad. Um. So I that was just played. like I
0: thought he didn't uh, play. I thought they didn't. I thought he didn't get a minute. I didn't no, really
1: I, I, I'm pretty sure they brought him on for like the last ten or something like that, and <laughs> the the crowd did go wild. Like it, they really did. But I remember it was funny because we I just bought the tickets and we didn't know where they were. And with the with the other games and stuff, we weren't wearing jerseys or anything like. I think to the mm. the Czech Republic when we were Irish Irish jerseys because we we're like ah like they they won't have any bother with it, but um yeah. we we were kind of getting ready for the game in the, in the town and like we were sort of looking at the Ukrainian fans we're like oh <laughs> mightn't be a great shout to be obviously not supporting them so we just mm. wore um you know jackets and shorts and stuff to the game like normal yeah. like go uh, normal clothes and um i remember that night we were watching like the roundup on sky news and there was a, a small segment condemning a portion of the Ukrainian fans for like displaying uh swastikas and stuff at the game and like they 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 zoomed in on the crowd and there were like guys with you know really kind of uh really graphic like neo nazi kind of tattoos so, like they mm. and uh you know like they all had like their tops off like the ultras behind the goals and then if you like as the camera was zooming in, you could just see the four of us right behind them, just absolutely <laughs> terrified. Um so yeah, we we didn't speak for like the whole game because we were in like the Ukrainian oh. ultra like away end. Um mm. but it was it was funny, uh yeah, being there and kinda we were like I I, I don't know, it was it was interesting seeing that like the the Northern Ireland contingent like travel set, you know, obviously they're in different cities, Republican stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was interesting sort of seeing that that up close and uh seeing Will Grigg come on. Yeah. I won't forget that for nice.
0: That's a great one. Um yeah my granddad and uncle they would have been based in Nice during the tournament but they went to they went mm-hmm. to Germany, Northern Ireland in Paris. I think that was in Paris. And then they also went to the Republic against they went to the French game as well that you went to. As I said, I was in Hong Kong for the start of the tournament, and then I was back home. I remember I was working in a pub for the French game, and I just we couldn't believe it when Brady scored after two minutes. I remember it was, um, oh. and everyone would have been thinking, "Is this actually going to happen?" Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be.
1: Well, it was right down in front of us. Uh, the mm. penalty, and I remember the ref awarded it. And I was there with uh, I, I was there with Jordan actually, and I remember just thinking, "This is just, you know, oh my god, no!" Like we we really started to believe, you know, too early. <laughs> uh, and I remember it, it. We went in at halftime, one 0 up. I I t- and uh, I remember we were in the. In the bowels of the stadium, and you know, people were getting. It was a really hot day. People were getting bottles of water and beers and everything. And all the fellas in the queue in front of us there were a load of guys in their forties and fifties, and they were all on their phones, book like changing their flights and trying to book tickets for the for the <laughs> quarterfinal. And he and they're they're all like, "Jesus, I won't tell the wife about this until we win." And uh, like ev- all of them were just uh, you know keeping the dream alive, uh, you know, extending the holiday for another week or two. They're like, "Jesus, the boss will understand." uh it's a once in a lifetime opportunity so i mean that was very very funny to see but uh unfortunately they they kind of got us in the long grass griezmann and the fellas mm. um but
0: duffy got sent off which I forgot about
1: y- yeah but i mean we just melted you know it was mm. it, it was too much but uh literally and you know, uh,
0: metaphorically you know, like, i think it was a very warm day in leon
1: <laughs> well, yeah, well no that, that that's what i mean you know it was yeah that was such an obvious thing in the tournament as well just that you know we didn't have the legs we didn't have fitness um mm. we didn't have natural fitness you know hendrik and a couple of you know they were dying Hendrick. after 60 65 minutes um they were just not able to kind of keep up with they just weren't at the same fitness level as the other as, as top teams um mm. you know the kind of 60 65 70 minutes and then the last 20 would always be a nightmare um mm. at that tournament but yeah um I mean, we're unlucky. I think. I think if we won that game, we had Iceland. So yeah, uh, you know. And I remember that's how we were at the time. I think Iceland didn't play until the next day.
0: England, and yeah, Jesus.
1: They're playing England, but we we're like, you know, we were thinking, oh my God, if we beat France, we're going to be playing England in a major <laughs> knockout game, and like we we're all thinking, like we we're going to batter them, you know, like we're we just like that was the you know we we're thinking like if if we get them in open ground, you know, uh, then. Hundred percent, we can do them in a one-off game, and yeah, I think I think for fifteen giddy halftime minutes, um, the country's collective imagination got away from us. Jesus. But I'm 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 happy it did. It was it was a beautiful thing to experience, even for a moment.
0: What a start! What a perfect start! Yeah, my I've mentioned my uncle and my grander going to a couple of games. I just remember there, my uncle and his son, my cousin, they went to, they went to the Iceland England game because it was in Nice, and as a neutral, that would have been hilarious. Or, well, them support. I'm sure they were supporting Iceland, but uh, yeah.
1: Hell. Oh just... man, I, I the Iceland game was so funny. We were in um, geez, was it Bordeaux? Yeah, uh, after the you know after the Ireland game. Um, really like or maybe it was Leon um, l- licking our wounds, you know, like mm. just sad about uh, about the dream and everything like that. And then um, yeah, I think no, I think it was Bordeaux in in the city in a, in a fan zone, and uh, we watched it. And obviously, like it was just they had the Icelandic commentator on the game, the guy who went nice. crazy, and yeah, like everyone was going mad. And after the game, I just remember people started a chant, and they were just going Brexit and it was shortly after the brexit vote and everything you know but it was yeah it was like the first time i'd heard a brexit joke and god like i've heard i've heard all of them since but it was just (laughs) it it was a hilariously grim watch and then like Mm. going back afterwards and watching the bbc analysis of the game and it was like you know
0: shira genus and ferdinand's faces
1: yeah yeah it was it was great it was it was really funny like you know schadenfreude on an international level
0: um um the last thing i remember one of the stories i remember you telling me was obviously you you were talking about fan interactions and stuff and how it was great interacting with sweden fans and obviously they're not so good at uh, displays put on by england uh, in certain cities but uh i remember you told me a funny story about encountering a couple of scottish fans and obviously scotland didn't quite make it to the euros that year they're playing in this this year which is great but uh yeah would you want to tell that story you met a couple of Scottish fans on a train somewhere?
1: Oh, yeah, we met, I, met, I met Scottish and Finnish people on a train. Um, and the Scottish people had were all wearing kilts. And there were <laughs> four or five of them. We'd had two weird fan encounters. The first was the day before when uh, we met all these English lads. There were nine of them and they were all dressed as Martin Skirtle. Um, so they all, had, they all had his jersey, his Slovakia jersey. They're all Liverpool fans. All right. um, and uh, they all had his jersey and they all had bald caps on.
0: Oh, yeah, I've seen a photo of that. Yeah.
1: That was that was really good fun. And then the next day, we met the Scottish fans in the Kils, and they're just like, "Oh, we go, we like, we go to all of these, like, and uh, we just support whoever whoever England are playing against." Mm. And uh, on the same train, like, there were a lot of people from Finland. There was a family from Finland, and I remember they were they were all like sweating profusely, and it was about fourteen degrees, and they were saying like, "This is just the hottest day ever," um, and they were from like the coldest part of northern Finland, and like just. Even mild weather was just, you know, ludicrously, ludicrously toasty for them. Uh, I think they're from, I can't even remember the place, but yeah, it, it was funny seeing so many. I, and I remember just being on the train with with the Scots, the Finns, and ourselves. And you know, I was saying three great footballing nations. You know, <laughs> um, we should really, uh, you know, North Europe gang has to stick together. Um, mm. But so many like amazing like, that was the Euros when I think more videos went viral of Irish mm. fans than any other time, you know, it was getting to the yep. stage where, like, people were getting annoyed with how nice they were. Um, Like, people yeah. in Ireland were getting, like, fatigued with these videos of, you know, fans cleaning up litter and, like, singing to babies and nuns and, like... Yeah. Just the car, sort
0: of, the, the car, the roof of the car one. Oh, the funny. sunroof, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just so much, the, like,
1: good... Identity. Yeah, they, they, like, buffed out a... Like, one of them yeah. had... I don't know, was it? Yeah, they were like jumping on the car roof. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: there were just there was a lot of that, but it was weird that it was all wholesome. You know, that it was all like it really was kind of like good, clean fun. Um, mm. as a, like there there was there was not a hint of badness, and and I have to say that that was the case. Like pretty much wherever we went. Um, which is why I just always say about the Euros, like even if you know if Ireland are playing, like make it your life goal to go, but. Yeah. Uh, even if they're not, it's just such a—it's the ultimate holiday. Um, everyone's Actually, in a good yeah. mood, and like if you, you know, if you, if you're a football fan, then you're just
0: gorging at like the fountain of youth, you know. What would be your predictions for who do you fancy winning the Euros? Or the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Um, I think England have the best chance they'll ever have at any tournament. Mm. Um,
0: the usual hype. But yeah, I, I think it, but I think it's justified this time, just with the squad they have.
1: It is, it is justified, um, and they they don't have any, you know, lingering excuses. There's no, you know, there isn't something anything plaguing the squad that normally happens to England. You know, in the same way that like France have like interpersonal sort of mm-hmm. problems, you know, or yeah. have had in the past. Uh, it's England, a really good culture,
0: you know, yeah. It's a really good culture.
1: Yeah, it's it's strange, you know. There's no controversy you're no one player who's um you know demanding limelight or attention and like there's no pressure from the media to you know like the way they used to have it like Lampard and Gerrard. like how do you fit everyone in like I think everyone is fairly confident in Southgate in the players and they have a very well balanced squad that like you know strangely don't have that many egos um mm-hmm. or if they do they're they're well shrouded by by the machine um so I think they have their best chance but I don't know do they have their uh you know they have the best the best team. I think Belgium would be interesting, but they're chronic mm. under deliverers, as we know. Um yeah. I think I think maybe maybe Portugal Portugal or England. Um I okay. know people are probably gonna probably gonna go for France. Uh mm. France seemed kind of like cheating um, you know, <laughs> in international football due to the the strength and depth of the squad. But yeah, I think um, you know, Ronaldo's last the last dance um yeah. with with an incredibly strong squad um or you know will england finally get over the line um mm. and if not if not either of those options then i think probably the french but i mean i would be interested to see uh, an alternative victor because i i don't know there's something annoying about uh france seemed to win the world cup without really too much work to do yeah. um in my opinion, and um, I don't know, I'd be interested to see who comes out on top here. What do you think?
0: I think Belgium, this is Belgium's kind of last chance of the team that they have to win the tournament, because they're all most, I think their average age is probably above 30 for their squad. Um, I don't think they will win it though. England have got a tough England have a tough group and they play Croatia first and that'll be that'll be a big statement if they can if they can beat Croatia after what Jeez, happened. Bad blood there. Yeah, they have Croatia, Scotland and Czech Republic, which maybe with the exception of Czech Republic, no pushovers. Whether England finish first or second, they're probably going to have to play either uh, France, Germany or... Port. No, actually, I think Portugal are in that group as well. Yeah, France, Germany, Portugal and Hungary are in the group of death.
1: You're dancing around the question here.
0: I know, I know. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah. If I think we'll know if England can win it once they get past the first knockout round, because they're gonna have to play a couple of tough games. I, I don't think they will win it. I think they might get to another semi-final or maybe final. But uh, I would say I'll I go with France. Just uh, seeing that front three of Mbappe, Benzema, and Griezmann come together. Looks pretty devastating, and Italy. I would, if I was to pick a team that would be once to watch, I would say Italy because Italy. I don't think people are talking enough about Italy. They've had, they're unbeaten. They haven't lost in a couple of years, and they walk their group, and they'll be angry after not being in the World Cup. So they'd be my ones to watch. But I would go with France to win the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to it. Even though, as I said, we don't have any allegiances this time round um, we'll be watching closely I'll probably support Scotland I'll be, support, I'll be back in Scotland against. I'm looking forward to watching them play England in Wembley that's going to be pretty special
1: Hula inviting is there <laughs> Robbie Brady brings us all to our
0: feet in Lille Well, no, again, I really enjoyed hearing all about that show and uh once again I really appreciate you coming back on uh for this uh what I'm calling it a bonus episode of the podcast. And uh and yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the Euros, see how these predictions get on. Probably we'll be wrong again. <laughs> I, I imagine, you know, like we, we did give it a good shot the last time. I think we've put in mm-hmm. put in
1: the work in this time, but I don't know, with international tournaments I always feel it's it's more like the last time we were really we had the injury news and we were very tactical and we were talking mm-hmm. about like you know whether or not Pep would deploy a striker like international tournaments are all about emotion and momentum you know uh, it's all about um how a team like i i I feel like it's much more tied to um hunger and like individual performances and it's so unpredictable because everything is you know it's tied to patriotism and place and yeah. uh, you know it's it's really really of the moment and stuff like that and that's how you get Croatia getting to a World Cup final, or, uh, you know, Portugal beating France on French soil, and Ronaldo cheering them on for the sidelines, so, so I mean, we could be looking at a a Sweden-Scotland final uh, yet, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I mean, that would really throw the cat among the pigeons, good. but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think we should, we can root for the Scots this time around, uh, mm. you know, our, our Celtic brethren, but, no, I, I really enjoy being back, thanks a million for having me, and... I look forward to seeing how how things go. And uh, for, uh, you know, we can't both be right this time around. So uh, hopefully, neither, you know, neither of us is wrong. Hopefully, uh, one of us is right, I should say.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, between those predictions, we might actually have a winner out of those. But yeah, thanks a million, Joe. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: Spot on, Sam. Thanks a million.
0: Nice one. He's some man for one man, isn't he? brilliant as always to chat to joe if you want to find him on instagram at cup of joe that's joe with two o's i'm at sam white as usual that's white with three i's don't forget to follow or subscribe to the sam i am podcast and yeah thank you for listening take care and have a great weekend see you next time all being well cheers folks